Peter, I've got to be completely honest with you right now. I am I'm cooked, man. I'm cooked. I've been through the ringer this weekend, and I've been destroyed physically. I've been destroyed through lack of sleep. I've been destroyed through just mental uh, overload, I think. Are you alive over there? Are you here? I feel about the same way for different reasons. This is Yours are be... um, like more legitimate and documented. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a wild adventure here, I have a feeling. Uh, this is Weekend at Effie's, and the weekends... You know, we had that little period of hibernation of sort of kind of holidays and on and off. And I had a lot of big moments and then a little rest. And we are really, we're in the deep ringer now, aren't we? It's kind of a continuation into summer, won't it be? Oh, it feels already like it's shifted. I got some news the other day that, you know, America and the rest of the world will find out soon. And we were talking a little bit about sort of where my my blessings and curses lie at this particular time. And, uh, what you're, what you're seeing from Effie and the frustrations Effie has had, and I can't be too specific. Uh, they will continue. These will be continuing struggles and I will inherit what I deserve in this earth. (laughs) So to continue in that same path, I first want to talk about you, you don't have to be stuck in the past, Peter. It's you don't, true. You don't have to be stuck with all the same songs that you listen to all the freaking time. Because Meg Fair, the lovely Meg Fair, who you may recognize from Enjoy Wrestling, who you may recognize from the internet of all places, maybe even from some bands that they have played in in the past, Meg Fair is bringing you the number one music show to bring you new music, Dog With A Mullet. It's on Spotify, and they are a presenting sponsor this week on Weekend at Effie's. You've enjoyed the dog with a mullet experience so far, haven't you? I have. Uh, the something fun happened. A new episode came out, and like I already knew two songs off of it, which automatically means that they have good taste. If it was already in my Spotify, they have record. incredible taste then, because they're they're not only presenting you with new things, but bringing you up to speed on. That they like the same things that you do. So Dog with a Mullet, the taste is there. Tastemakers are back. It's available on Spotify. Check out Dog with a Mullet. And remember that Weekend at Effie's uh, needs a little Dog with a Mullet because I still, I'm still i still listening to Sharon Abba. This isn't new. I sometimes recycle songs in my life. But one thing I don't recycle, Peter, ever is when I enter any kind of professional wrestling match, I am a blank slate. I know what I've done before. I know what I am known for doing. I know what styles I've done, but I want to make sure that I read the room and I read the match and I read the opponent for that day and for that time and for that place. And I think there was a little bit of a uh, happenstance of time that came together on Thursday. I went to Philly to start my weekend Thursday and actually landed a little later than usual, was picked up by a fair group of fellas and ended up over at the house of Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Lloyd on the day of his birth. Now, that's not that strange, Peter. Not to me. But come to find out, not only is Jimmy Lloyd born, born on this day, which I think Thursday was the 17th, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So February 17th. Also the birthday of Jimmy Lloyd's dad, James, James, James fucking Lloyd. And also, and I didn't find this out until after the match was over that night, 
The birthday of Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Jacobs. Yes, of Ring of Honor, of Impact, former WWE writer, the zombie princess. All three of these people, one whose house I was staying at, one whose birthday I was performing at, and one who I was fighting at the birthday, all had their birthday on that same day. I was surrounded by the Aquarius spirit, as is also my boyfriend, uh, AJ, So this is, I don't know, I'm not asking for you to read into it further, but I'm just saying it seemed a little coincidental that everything was lining up for birth. Yeah, that's weird. It is weird. Maybe it's just weird. But this is a match that a lot of people had come to me and said, holy shit, we never thought this could happen. Jimmy Jacobs has a storied, bloody, weird... You you do, in your natal chart, though, that where your close friends and like people that that would be connected in your life, Aquarius does show up there. This makes sense. I have a... Uh, so there isn't... You might be the weirdness. I'm the weirdness that like appears because there's this much Aquarius spirit and you there. made all those birthdays fall on the same day. I was drawn into yeah. it. Let's not get too wild, Peter. They'll start thinking we're going to try to start a spiritual network here. And if you want to pledge forward and be a part of this next journey into whatever parallax that may reach us, give us a call or just send the PayPal. We're going to be ready. That was too much, wasn't it? No, it's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, So I spent the day leading up to this, because I kind of want to get into this. Matt Justice is one of my best friends, and we're usually a little late. If I'm with Matt Justice, I'm kind of late to where I'm going. And Jimmy Lloyd went ahead because it's his show. He had to get it ready. And we said, we'll be there at, you know, no later than six. And so about 6.30, Jimmy Lloyd calls us and says, where are you? And he said, well, we're in traffic, and we'll be there in 15 or 20 minutes. And he says, PCO and Jimmy Jacobs need to find you. You know, there's stuff going on. And I said, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. And I got there, and I was nervous because I thought we'd really be in trouble. But when it came down to the match, uh, both myself and Matt Justice had excellent matches with our opponents, PCO and Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, But I did get stabbed in the face repeatedly. I did get dumped on a bunch of chairs over and over, and Matt Justice got hit on this giant wood table so hard by PCO, who PCO is like, he's a zombie French man from Canada who used to work for Vince McMahon, and he's been electrocuted a lot. So he's hard to kill, and he's sort of, he's like Frankenstein kind of is his thing. And so Matt Justice is in this match, and Matt's crazy, and he keeps getting crushed by PCO, and the table will not break, and needless to say, Friday I was supposed to go and uh, visit one of my good friends in New York City after the match, but I did not make it and I stayed. And uh, me and Matt Justice Friday had to deal with the remnants of our physical ailments of fighting these dudes that we fought. Jimmy Jacobs stabbed me and then he also... He also just... He also just belittled me. Okay, he was choking me with chairs. He was punishing me. He wasn't holding back. He flipped me off the top of the damn rope onto my head. People thought I was dead already, and it was only Thursday. And Friday morning, I woke up and I had my coffee and I checked on Matt. And everybody said, We got to go do this. We got to go do that. I mean, there were so many wrestling shows this weekend that, like, some of these guys were going and working like five times this weekend. It was crazy. So everybody left the house, and I was just left with Matt. And I was like, Here we go. What are we going to do? I had to help this man because he physically could not walk. And I'm not telling you this so you're not so you're worried about Matt Justice. I'm telling you this to get into sort of how magical the recovery time of a 
of a total superstar like Matt Justice is because at one point he was like crawling down the stairs like a bear on all fours because his back was so hurt and his leg was so hurt he was like I don't know and I said Matt I said I don't know if you're gonna be able to do this but we're gonna get you recovered so the next part of my day was spent helping Matt Justice recover we found him some crutches we took him to the hydro massage three hydro massages in a row baby you got to be What's ready a for that. Hydro massage. Well, at the Planet Fitness, it's this bed you lay on, covered in this weird like rubber tarp thing, and then it sprays high pressure water into your back, and it massages you, but you don't get wet because the water is underneath the rubber sheet thing. Oh my god! So we just rode it out. I think he rode that thing three or four damn times. Now in this time, I had to do something because I wasn't just going to stand around a Planet Fitness in the middle of New Jersey. I went next door to Big Lots and I went on a shopping spree and I found one of the strangest products I've ever found, Peter. It's a mystery ball full of miniature items you would find at a grocery store. Okay. So I said, I'm buying the mystery ball at Big Lots and I opened the mystery ball and here's what the items were inside. There's a miniature Cool Whip. There was a miniature roast turkey deli pack. A miniature box of cereal, a miniature box of rice, and then here's where here's the kicker. And this is a mystery. You don't know what you're going to get. There's t- hundreds of items. If you get a golden Hershey's bottle, it's magical. There was a little box of Velveeta cheese, like you would buy the block. And this is significant because the first ever promo Effie ever recorded, ever, featured a man and a woman in very not much clothing, a puppy dog, and me licking up a bunch of that Velveeta cheese straight off the block and talking hella shit. And so I said, out of all the mysterious little boxes to get here, the Velveeta cheese on this day where I'm about to enter into even more wrestling and I'm wrestling full time and I'm a wrestling star, the first promo product I ever had was the last mystery in the mystery brand pack. Is that crazy? That's crazy. We'll read into anything, though, Peter. I love it. It's more fun to read into everything and take it in and just live in it. But also, out I, of all the products. I agree. It's I, way more I live fun. my life. <laughs> so that's not all I bought there, though. Because I know I don't know if you've heard AJ say this before, but one of, the, one of my favorite quotes from AJ, and it's from a Real Housewives show, is, I am the drama. Have you ever heard him say this? No, honey, I am the drama. I've, I feel I can hear him say honey, it in my head. Honey, right I am now. the drama. So I got Cranberry a hoodie. And the hoodie says, you smell like drama. And so now Cranberry's walking around our house with a hoodie that says, you smell like drama. And he's walking around going, I am the drama. And I'm going, I've completed the circle. Matt Justice walked into the Showboat Hotel, I'll tell you that. We helped that man recover and we met up and we saw our good homies in the SGC and we had a wonderful night of friendship and fellowship. We didn't rush. We were there on time, but Saturday was a different story. Saturday was an intense freaking day because the SGC, myself, Matt Justice, AJ Gray, Manders, Manser, we need you back. Manser, fix your leg. It's not that broken. You'll be fine. We had to fight the Lucha superstars. And yeah, they're smaller than us, but Antonio San Francisco is very hard to beat up. And let me tell you why, Peter. 
it's because he is shredded and handsome and tan, and he has that little smile. And he walked into the show, but when he saw me, do you know what Antonio San Francisco did to get in my head the mind games, the dark mind games he's playing? He said, Hola, guapo, which is handsome, like handsome. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to hit this guy in the face. And I couldn't, which is why they had to hit him in the face. I made all my friends hit him in the face. Manders in this match, in this Lucha match, Manders did the old FE10 in the corner, hump him in the face. And if you see the video of this, I am full on jumping up and down like a kid on in Christmas in the background. Just like, yippee, I can't believe it. Manders is going the distance. He's up there just like, check it out, bro. And he's just doing the humps in. I lose my mind. What a fun time. Uh, now, the clip everybody's talking about from this match is the triple spin gringo loco powerbomb. And Peter, you saw this powerbomb, correct? I saw this. This was, this was where I started thinking about the height of my weekend. And I don't mean like the height, like the biggest moment. I mean like the height of if you start adding together from Thursday to Sunday, and I don't want to do it year over year or month over month because I think it'll be too scary. Between all of the top rope moves that I took this weekend, I think I fell off like a six-story building. Like, I think if you added up all the distance I fell from, it would be like, just let me get it out in one run. I bet I can do a six-story building. I just kept getting thrown and tossed and beaten. I love when things of uh, that I do in a wrestling match get a lot of views. But I'll tell you this. Over like 100,000 people by tomorrow are going to have seen me get spun from the top around chandelier height in a ballroom and then thrown into the middle of this ring so hard that I flop over onto myself. And you're going, wow, you know, if I did that, I'd probably be pretty sore or have, you know, a little bit of trouble the next day. But I just kept going. This We just kept going over time. This is what we do, Peter. This is the, you said the stoicism's built in. And my God, the stoicism's built in. Now we have to do special t- highlight talent right now for Cole Radrick because, uh, I spent a lot of my weekend once I got to the showboat till I left with Cole Radrick. He was uh, a big part of the weekend. He was wrestling on a bunch of the shows and he actually stepped up and wrestled more than he expected to. And then Sunday he even wrestled a death match against Oren Vite and left covered in blood. But we had such a good time Ooh, together. I saw that. Yeah, he's it was, incredible. Like it was to a He's bad such a level. sweet little boy and he's just covered it looked in really bad. Yeah, and he did the the old Adam Bueller where you take the you take the the actual light tube that's broken already yeah. and you just run it across your chest so it cuts you. It was really intense and it's a great throwback, but boy, that's bravery right there. But with Cole Radrick, the last time I was in the casino, he sat down at a slot machine and immediately started hitting bonuses. So I said, listen, Cole Radrick, it's pretty late in the day. Let's see what happens. Let's see how lucky we're feeling. And we went in there and we went back. And what happened? The exact same thing. He sits down and starts hitting bonuses. He's like, ooh. And then look what happened the next day. He comes out on top and you're going, well, yeah, he had to get cut up. But that's the moment where everybody's going, Cole Radrick is a freaking star. And we're all yelling, we know, we've been known. He's so good. And now everybody's going, oh my gosh, that boy was just bonuses on jackpots. And I feel like I was just like standing next to his little bit of luckiness this weekend that was about to blow out of him and become the next thing. So shout out Cole Radrick. And uh, after 
after we finished the match, I hung out with the guys for a little bit because we're in Atlantic City. But also you have to get to the airport because I'm going to Portland, Oregon. I'm going from Philly to Atlantic City to Portland, Oregon. Folks, Peter just rolled his eyes at me because it's just not the best scheduling. And that's okay. Because when you are your own band and you don't have to travel with all the members, they can just put you on that flight and get your ass out there. And it's a lot easier than having to get a whole band out there. We have two keyboard players now. Could you, are we all flying out or is it, oh God, get in a van, kids. When it's just me and two suitcases, it's easier to fly. Now, Nick Wayne had an incredible match Saturday against his mentor, one of his mentors, Jordan Oliver, someone I still would like to get in the ring with. And I even saw, you know, Joey Janela came up and he was like, it was such an incredible match. I can't even, I don't even know what to tell you right now as far as anything. It was very good. You should be proud. And so like to see that happening, he just signed with AEW. You know, the kid is 16 years old, Peter. He's a, he's a freaking kid. He's a third generation superstar. His father was Buddy Wayne from the Pacific Northwest. Uh, uh, Moonjack, Skipjack. I don't have his grandfather's name right in front of me. Uh, we had to go back to Philly and so we got in the car and I ended up driving Wait, you had to the go car. Back to Philly? Well, no, no, no. We had to go from Atlantic City back to Philly to fly out. The Philly okay. airport was where okay. we were going. So yes, we Sorry, did. Sorry, I thought you were in Portland and had to go back no, no, to no, Philly. No, 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 no. This is before we get to Portland. We're planning to go to Portland. And I've got me and Nick Wayne and a few others in the car. We have to drive back to Philly. So at 4 a.m., we're pulling up to the Philly airport. Obviously, I haven't slept in a long time. And I'm looking at Nick Wayne and I go, bro, we're going to be in Portland in a few hours. And he was like, well, you're going to be in Portland in a few hours. I'm flying into Seattle and then I have to drive to Portland. And I'm like, you're the bravest of us all. I want everybody to know that man made it to Portland. And when I saw him, we gave a big high five because it was like, we freaking survived this. Because you know we've been going through the craziest travel day. Both connecting flights, both long time changes, and both of us just sore as can be. So like... If you have any question whether Nick Wayne is ready to handle being a full-time professional wrestler, he's good. He knows what he's doing. Half people, half the people would have tapped out on that kind of travel schedule, but he's just like pumped and ready to go. Portland is a big deal. And I've been to Portland before uh, a few years ago to wrestle for DOA in Portland against Daniel Maccabe. And he is uh, an incredible wrestler. He's also a super musician and he's really good at punching people in the face. Punch the fuck out of my face. But I'm returning now to Portland for a show that is two years in the making. How is that possible? Fucking COVID blew that shit up, right? Originally in Roseland, uh, well, they've done a Roseland show before, but this was Roseland 2. And it was going to be me and Danhausen taking on uh, Pax Americana, which is MV Young and the Dark Fucking Chic. And Danhausen not only got signed by Oli Wrestling, congratulations to everyone, his leg is not quite 100% healed yet. He said, the leg still has a curse. That's how he said it to me. So we shifted the match, and now, obviously, my bussy sister came out with me. So we did bussy versus Pax Americana, which I love that they're calling Dark Sheik and MV Young are calling themselves Pax Americana because it's like they're going to bring peace and unity to America through violence. They've combined their church of wrestling and the polyam cult to bring together the unity. And if you're against the peace in America and the beautiful love that they have, then guess what? You're going to get destroyed, motherfucker. So before we even get to the match, Portland is such a cool city. Have you ever, have you ever been around Portland? I haven't. I think in the last few years, it's cleaned up a little and it's beautiful. Not that it was like 
uninhabitable, but it felt very good. It felt like there was some renewal in there. I can't believe I'm going to tell this story here. I'm going to tell the Toy Store story before I tell the story where I go back to my management roots. So we find this beautiful toy store. Now, Danhausen likes vintage toys and stuff. And I love all that stuff too, but I'm not like, I'm not like a collector. Like Danhausen was like, they don't even know the price of this item. The Sentinel figure should be eight fifty, not a grand. Like he knows this stuff. Like he's into this toy market and like guys like him and Ethan page. And I mean, even Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona, they're all into the figures and I like looking at them, but there's nothing in my heart. Like besides like I'll play with that little toy, but I found something even better because I found Batman forever trading cards that I then went on to just sell and give away on the Twitch stream. That was just exciting. I like going to these little places. It's very fun. We had to pick somewhere to eat and we go to this restaurant. I'm not going to name the restaurant. The restaurant, Peter, was, like, run by children. Like, I'm pretty sure at least three of the staff members were, like, 14-year-olds. And there were a lot of us in this restaurant and nobody really getting served. You order at the front, so it's not even like the waitresses have to go around. Like, it goes right to the kitchen. My food came out, and then 40 minutes later, Dark Sheik's food came out. And maybe there's something to this, because now that I'm thinking about it, food service this weekend at every point was delayed or non-functional pretty much for me. Wow, yeah, even more examples than I'm kind of running to in my head. I, there was an issue with having food delivered this week of all of all points. All, and there always kind of is, but I don't know. So then 35 minutes later, you know, she gets her food. And then, oh, Dan Housen gets his food. And we're at the very end of this. I've told four staff members, the only thing we're missing at this point is this order of bacon, right? And it's it's not coming. And I've already paid for it. I paid for it up front. And I don't like being a Karen. I really don't, Peter. It's not my intention. So I was trying to be polite. And I said, you know, hey, will you check on the bacon order? Check on the bacon. We had an order of bacon. Could you look at the bacon? And this is over a course of our food taking about an hour and a half. We're past call time already. We're like, we're late. And I said, they said, we have to go. Everybody said, we have to go. And I said, all right, y'all get up. And so I waited. And I said, let me pull y'all in here. And I pulled a staff meeting. Uh, and I pulled someone out of the kitchen too. And I said, listen, y'all, I've been here a while. We ordered a lot of food. I'm missing the bacon. It's not a big order. It's not a big part. I said, something with the communication here is not working. And so I want to figure out what that is. I said, I don't know if it's your fault out here, if you're not telling them or if they're just getting overwhelmed or if people are here, but you got to have a better answer than just leaving me alone out here. So keep something to where you guys are communicating. Cause if I have to tell four of y'all and you haven't found out, it's just, it's a lot more effort than it needs to be. And they ran that bacon right out of there and we walked back the street eating it. And they were like, were you just like managing a business real quick? And I was like, it's not even rude. It's not even impolite. And sometimes when a blonde haired man shows up with a star Wars style braid at your restaurant, he might give you some good tips to keep that restaurant profitable. You never know. It's like a Gordon Ramsay situation. Now, Portland, here's why I was nervous about wrestling in Portland. That weed is crazy. Peter, Portland weed is like another level of just like, there's something about the energies and the spirit and the forest up there. Like the, the harvest rainforests of, of the Pacific Northwest where that stuff is just stanky and sticks with you. And God bless the dark Sheik, who is uh, a proponent of cannabis in the church of wrestling. We were not concerned at all. And we're ready to fight the fuck out of each other at Roseland Roseland by prestige wrestling. I know that MV Young has wrestled with them a good bit, and I was supposed to be on a couple shows before COVID, but this was like their first time of getting to see us. 
we went bananas off the wall, breaking everything, breaking chairs, hitting each other in the freaking face, running up and down, bussy on fire. And I think what's beautiful now is like there were a lot of people there who have, you know, richer histories in wrestling uh, TV wise or company wise and seeing the reaction from the crowd being just as loud or louder of us who are, you know, we're only known independently. We haven't been on TV. We haven't done this, but we're still traveling all over the country and traveling everywhere. And people can tune into the stream. You know, they were trending like 20 in the nation. I'm used to trending with GCW, but it doesn't happen all the time at wrestling shows. They had a thousand people in the Roseland ballroom. They had a ton of the Pacific Northwest people, you know, that are local to the scene, but they also had Malachi Black and Davey Richards and uh, Taya Valkyrie and Athena debuted. You know about Athena? No. Incredible. She does this move off the top rope where she flips over to you and then yanks you down by your neck like Stone Cold Steve Austin stunner, but she does a flip from the top over you and then cranks your neck. It's insane. It's like the coolest thing ever. When she came out, we were three floors below in the locker room from where the actual ring is. It was so loud. You heard the floor like vibrating. Crazy. We did survive. Bussy was defeated. Oh. Bussy was conquered. <laughs> I had to kick Alley Catch. If anybody was there, I had to kick Alley Catch out of the venue. You're going, what? Because she was about to miss her flight because she was meeting and greeting oh, with all no. the fans, which is beautiful and like would be me. If I had a flight, I'd be doing the same thing. But I was like, Allison, get the hell out of here or you're going to miss this flight and you're going to be stuck in Portland. So she got out. I stayed a while longer and thank God because I saw one of my friends from college. And I don't say friends from college like we haven't been friends in between, but you don't get to see people as often anymore. And Mason and his partner Caroline came out, and they had so much trouble getting to the show. Like he had a flat tire on the way. There was a wreck on the way. His car battery died on the way. And luckily his partner was like, just get out of the car and go in the show. I'll find parking and do it. So we got to reconnect. And this is what's going to be crazy for you to hear, Peter. I had forgotten this. When Lee Garrett had his birthday party at USC in the year 2000, I want to say 2011. Yeah, it had to be 2011. Mason reminded me that he was in my first ever professional wrestling match. At Lee Garrett's birthday party in the backyard, we set up a big-ass dog kennel with mattresses in it. And we got hammered on four loco and we had a triple threat mat and match in the cage with me and Walter and Mason. And Mason said, I tried to put Walter in like a, no, Walter put me in a Boston crab and was like really trying to hurt my back. Cause obviously we're drunk and untrained and in college and just like watching wrestling. And then all of a sudden I look up and like Jimmy Snuka from above, you're on top of the dog kennel and you're diving on me. And I tried to get out of the way and I was like, Holy mackerel. That's correct, Mason. My first opponent truly ever is here. My first professional opponent was my good buddy Jennings, who's out on tour with a ton of bands all the time, and or drag queens. He did the drag queen tour last summer. So I like to know that these first moments in wrestling that I have had even forgotten that one, or at least amongst friends. But yes, in the backyard of the party, and this, is like, this was like a big rowdy party with a lot of people there. And so there's probably more people that can corroborate this story. But yeah, we got in the cage, baby, and I jumped off the top and tried to kill them. Shout out Walter. He's a, I think he's a doctor now. I don't know if it's official yet, but I think he is Dr. Walter Rochelle. I, don't, I probably shouldn't dox people at the moment, but if you get sick, at least you'll know there's a doctor there. <laughs> Learned about my first match. Here's where the food gets crazier. We went to Denny's, okay? Wrong move. 
And I've got to remember that when you're people at the wrestling show who are like the other wrestlers are like, Hey, we're going to this place to eat. There's going to be like 30 of us in there that are eating. Right. Like there were too many people in this Denny's and she was like, there's one server and there's like 20 of us in there trying to eat, but there's other people getting Denny's. And this is, I'm going to show you my character real quick here, Peter. I saw the table. I saw the server. She looks so stressed. I bribed her. <laughs> I went up to her and I said, ma'am, I am, Sorry that we have bombarded you with this. We're patient. We're nicer than we look, I promise. And I just handed her 40 bucks and said, I'll tip again at the end. They'll take care of you. Just do what you can. And I thought that helped. And, you know, that's a cocky thought to have that you can just bribe somebody and they'll somehow just, they'll, it'll happen. And even Warhorse was there. And I didn't realize it until I turned around after I had bribed this waitress. And I say bribe, but like, it's also, I'm just giving you extra money because uh, truly like this has to be nerve wracking as a server to look at, to be like, Oh God, really? They're all going to yeah. order milkshakes too. Yeah. Uh, so it's at least like, let's calm the waters. I've used this trick before. If there's a bunch of wrestlers walking in a restaurant, you got to hand her a little money up front and go, look, like I, I'm, I'm assuring you, this is not going to get out of hand. It got out of hand. I, we were in this Denny's like it was fucking purgatory until like 2.30 a.m. We were like, we'll get out of here. We got there before midnight. We were oh just my God. in this Denny's forever. It was completely out of control. I mean, delicious. The pancake puppies are out of this world. Make sure you ask for your eggs from a shell or they come from a can. I don't know if we've discussed that before. Whoa. I don't know if that's just a Denny's thing. Did you not know that, Peter? No. Yeah, they just get big like... Like, get the can opener, crack it open. There's a lot of eggs in this thing. Oh, no. You got to get the eggs from the shell. May I please? Yeah. This, that's the dystopian future. May I please have eggs from the shell? So, yeah, that was a, it was a cathartic moment to finally leave the Denny's. Thank God. We got to the hotel just in time to stare at each other for one minute, smoke another of uh, Portland's finest adult cigarettes, which I'm sure you've now felt the effects of here. Right? Yes. Yeah, welcome to Portland, baby. Goodness gracious, it feels good. And uh, Dark Sheik and myself found our way out of Portland and back to the airport just in the nick of time because those flights leave so early on the West Coast. I'm used to the East Coast where like TSA would never be open before a certain point and the desks don't even open. But like the desks open at like 3.30 at the Portland airport. You know about the Portland airport carpet, right? No. So it's like historic carpet at the Portland airport at PDX. And I think they changed it a few years ago oh. to be a slightly different carpet. Uh, I know NPR did like a whole piece about it, but I was always excited to see. And this was returning to the PDX carpet. I think they keep strips of the original or maybe they went back to the original. I'm not even sure. Fill us in on the carpet. There are a lot of things in this world that I don't know, but there Weekend are at effies at gmail.com. Yeah. We need, we need you to fill us in on this weekend at effies at gmail.com. I need to know more Peter. Sometimes when I don't know things, I reach out to other people and I especially reach out to the tastemakers of the world. Those tastemakers like Meg fair, Meg Jim fair. They have the newest in music, the newest in acts, the newest in bands, and they are taking you on a journey with dog with a mullet. What is dog with a mullet? It's an incredible radio show on Spotify, hosted by Meg. They bring you all the different styles of music, new artists, new plugs, and smooth listening and sensational jazz. I ran out of energy at the end of that part there. I am cooked, Peter. That's the magic. Don't get cooked. 
get excited about music. Dog with a Mullet. Thank you so much to Meg Fair. Thank you to all of the people who have checked out Dog with a Mullet. Go check them out. Listen to the music. Whoa, whoa, listen to the music. All the time. <laughs> We're cooking it up. Uh, what is what is bad about the West Coast, Peter, is you get home so late to the East Coast. Oh. I got home yesterday. Once again, food delivery. We tried to go to like three restaurants, me and AJ, when I landed. And we finally went to a restaurant. Finally, Aiden got home, and then it was time to stream. Like, I immediately got home and went right back to Wait, work. You said you tried to go to three different re- Well, Like, what happened? Long wait times. One was closed. One was carry out only. And then we finally went. We went to Bar Taco, though. Have you been to Bar Taco? So delicious. I really enjoy the corn and the duck taco, the seared ahi. I had the key lime pie and a little, uh, what do they call them? Ramekin? Ramekin! Sounds like a band, like Ramstein. Would you like to listen to my band, Ramakin? We play uh, a lot of songs about pagan, le- pagan learned gods. Ramakin, yeah, we're going to be playing in Germany a ton at the Bloodfest. <laughs> <laughs> do we have any questions this week? We Peter? do. Peter, I'm sore. I know I'm probably even forgetting stuff from this weekend. GCW was great. Uh, I had so, such a good time. I love getting that match out of Jimmy Jacobs. I got some incredible news this week. And obviously, we are getting uh, announcements started for the Big Gay Brunch in Dallas, April 2nd. And tickets will go on sale this Friday. So Friday morning, 11 a.m. Central, 12 a.m. Eastern. Tickets will go on sale for Big Gay Brunch in Dallas. Get your tickets early. The packages that include all of the shows, like Spring Break 1 and 2, uh, the Lucha Show with Gringo Loco, Big Gay Brunch, Mission Pro Bangers Only, uh, I believe Black Label Pro, Glory Pro, and uh, uh, Unsanctioned Pro also doing a show. So those went super fast to the point where like there's no first or second row left anywhere. Tickets are going extremely fast. We have a high capacity, but if you want good seats, close seats, I guarantee you're going to want to see this shit up close. Those will be on sale Friday. So check that out. A lot of talent announcements this week. Peter, take us to the journey moon. All right. Uh, I'm going to lead this person asked to have their name left out. Uh, Hello there, Peter and Effie. I'm a young queer trainee in the business. Uh, Though that was where I asked not to include the name. Um, I started paying. So he's a uh, up and coming wrestler. Uh, I started paying dues when I was 15 and actually saw Effie live when I was 17. It was the night of the whipped cream spot. Holy shit. Do you, can we talk about the whipped cream yeah, spot real quick before that. we get yeah. deeper? Okay, this is, this is electric. And this is like, Peter, when I tell you, if I went into the full Jimmy Jacobs saga of, of our moments that we've had together, you'd, you'd understand that sticking to my guns has not made sense until last Thursday in all the moments and interactions we've had thus far. Uh, even though I should have and am glad I did on everything. And sometimes Effie does what Effie wants, and that is confusing to people who in wrestling have been told that if you do certain things, you could get blackballed or blacklisted or won't get featured or you'll miss opportunities. Effie creates opportunities. So I'm not going to name the promotion because I think they're shitty people and I think they're not good people, but I fought in a tag match. My partner was a an inflatable sex doll uh, against White Mike and Mr. Sleaze, in a uh, triple X match. Uh, 
In this match, he pulled me into the wheelbarrow position, pulled my trunks down, and then White Mike filled my butt with whipped cream, and he ate the whipped cream out of my butt, which people say, what's the psychology in that? If I'm having whipped cream eaten out of my butt, the pleasure can be so confusing that it's easier to get a pinfall on me and win the match if that's your goal. Uh, so he does this, this goes online and Jim Cornette sees it and everybody starts roasting it, you know, oh my God, this isn't wrestling. This is disgusting. How dare you? How dare you do this? Whatever. So people are really finding out. And this is before I even beat up the little girl and had that match. So this is actually one of my first like tastes of controversy. And so then I said, well, let's make it into something different. I cut a promo saying, White Mike, you ruined my life. I can't get booked anymore. The only people that will book me are strip clubs and bachelorette parties. Nobody thinks I'm a real wrestler. I'm a worker, baby. You know, I don't need to be known for this. I was forced into this position of whipped cream eating out of my butt. And I have to I have to prove myself against you. And then it was the first time I ever got booked by PWX. I was booked a ton of times after that. And I'm in the X16 tournament coming up in March. <laughs> I had to I had to quell my legacy against White Mike because I was the one who provided the groceries. I was the one who gave him that ass to eat. He was getting all the fame and glory for eating that whipped cream, but I was just the ass of the joke, and I had to prove myself. And so whenever people say, oh, you can't do that, I turn you can't do that into you talk about that, and you pay me to talk about that some more. Honey, that's the way Effie has always been. We know how to ride the line. I'm a PR guy. You were there for me getting my butt eaten. You were there for a big moment. Let's get into your career. How do we help you help? How do we help you get further? Peter, where are we at? This Portland weed. <laughs> Good God. Uh, okay. Uh, when I was 15 and actually saw Effie live when I was 17, it was the night of the whipped cream spot. I was there legally because it was a bar show when I was 17, but the promoter needed help with the ring, so he snuck me in and hid me in the locker room. This sounds like that promoter, and uh, wow. Sitting directly across from me was Effie. I believe I must have stared at you for 30 minutes, a really embarrassing looking back, so sorry, and I was mesmerized. Before that, I was totally closeted and really scared of my orientation becoming the demise of my wrestling career. Seeing you was so therapeutic. You really made me feel safe and comfortable with myself and really planted the seed of me coming in, uh, planted the seed of me coming out. Good God, I cannot talk under these conditions. I love it. I love that we're giving it to them raw and authentically because this is weekend at Effie's and this is where Effie's at at this exact moment. We're recording early, Peter, on a Tuesday, so I haven't had as much uh, rest and relaxation in between my weekend here. Peter, it's fine. That's why I brought you those gifts, those beautiful gifts of adult cigarettes. Uh, okay. I can't thank you enough. That's what he said, and that's also what I'm saying for the adult cigarettes. Perfect. <laughs> my question for you is, before people really understood what, were you, what you were doing, how did you go about balancing your personal life, work, and wrestling? It's something I have a lot of trouble with and end up accidentally neglecting friends and family. Thanks for reading and may the stars forever align in your favor. All right, here's the bad news. I also probably neglect some friends and family. There's a time where like I spend time with people, I will find time with people, but where I am right now in order to get where I want in my career, I am obviously on the road a lot. I am obviously out of my house a lot and out of the place a lot. 
I believe that you have to make the moments count when you are with them. So when you're with people, make them memorable, have the time, get right to the point. Don't waste time, you know, not being emotional to look cool. Get to the point, tell your people you love them, make sure they understand you're not trying to ignore them. You're out there to get the job done and to entertain the people. But I know it has to be frustrating too, because when you are in wrestling, you're giving a hundred percent of yourself to it. So when you're out here and you're standing for an hour or two and you're hugging people and seeing the fans and signing everything and hearing their stories, you're not giving that same attention to a lot of the people in your life who have been there before. And that can be a little confusing and frustrating for them. So you got to give them the love and the time and the energy back. And the balance of that is not easy. When I was working, I was working 50 to 60 hours a week. Like I was in charge of this moving company. I was there at 7 a.m. every day before the trucks went out. I was there at five o'clock when the shop closed. I was there after if things went off, I was there on the road for wrestling and I would get calls and have to run credit cards or get calls and deal with customers while I'm like standing there in full gear and I'm like in the cold in pantyhose going, yes, ma'am, I'm really sorry about the damage to your desk. We'll have a repair person there. I'm going to go ahead and coordinate with them. And then I got to go out there and do my little dance and follow my head in the same, you know, 30 minute period. Balance is why I ended up kind of where I am now. And I think the the journey of balancing your energies for others can be very consuming more in a way that I, I had to take part of it back and be in control of where I was putting it. And when I was able to, and I say able to, but let's be real people. The fact is I quit my job and then the pandemic hit. Like that was not really planned. And that's when I moved to Atlanta and it was sort of, Hey, instead of waking up and I've got to give the first 12 hours to you. And then I get the rest for me and my family and the rest of it. I said, if I had those extra hours, I would be focused in. I think trying to balance when you are trying to succeed at a goal, that is sometimes what puts you in and what messes you up. You've got to have the focus line. You've got to have balance in a sense that you're not a hundred percent on anything, but giving myself to someone else and taking that guaranteed security of that paycheck every two weeks, it was necessary up to a point. But also if I had continued any further, I would have stagnated completely in wrestling. I would have continued not taking bookings on a Thursday because I have to be at work or, Oh, I can only take this booking in the Northwest if I can be back by a certain time. Cause I can't take too much time off. All the shows I'm still being effy on, but I'm being effy at the end of a 50-hour work week. I'm being effy that has to go back to work and deal with whatever voicemails are left at work. Sometimes balance has to be cut out a little bit to get to that next level. And am I saying ignore everyone and move forward? No, but you have to know when you need to shift your priorities a little bit. And sometimes maintaining that balance is going to take more energy that you could put into something more productive for yourself. So find your footing. You will learn lots about life through wrestling. You may not have a full-time career in wrestling. It is harder and more rare every day. I'm not saying that to dissuade or discourage you, but know that you have to be a little creative to keep it going and you have to be willing to put the work in. Find time for you though. Was that too overreaching? No, I thought that was great. <sighs> Making my dreams come true. It's okay. It's life. I'm finding moments for everyone and I'm finding... Uh, the beauty and the exploration. I don't have a lot of stress in my life. And the more of these people in wrestling that I talk to that have, you know, taken, you know, deals that are thrown at them and maybe taken the first opportunity, I think they've dealt with a lot more stress of who is thinking what about them or who they have to impress. And obviously I'm a rare case, but there is beauty in trusting yourself. And I think I've been screaming it for the past six months 
the rest of wrestling doesn't exist without the performers in wrestling. And they will tell you every day that you are easily replaceable, that we can throw somebody else in there. We can make somebody else do what you do. And I'm not just saying this about me, but the fact is, I don't think that that's true. I think that there are those of us who really love this business and love what it's about, but we've got to be the ones that are taking a little control of our own destiny. And where I'll stand now is if anybody who is telling you that they were good at promoting, creating, booking, hiring for, or filming professional wrestling who are not professional wrestlers, well, then why can't they fucking do it, Peter? Why is it still not getting great ratings anywhere? Why are there still companies that we can easily overreach with just a streaming model and the internet when uh, time after time we're told that we're not following the instructions correctly? I think proof is going to be in the pudding, Peter, and we'll see. But they're spinning the same wheel over and over. I mean, I don't want to sound too shady here, Peter, but if the big company you know, the big number two company, their plan was, what if we hire the guys from the other channel to get the same ratings as us? What will happen? You'll probably get the same ratings. And guess what? They got the same ratings. So it's just a confusing philosophy of what's happening and who is controlling the money around professional wrestling. And I'm going to keep being Effie. I'm going to keep doing what I do. And I'm going to keep fucking on them. And we'll see what happens. We'll see who is right in the end, won't we? Probably going to be me. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.